Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City. Big shout out to DJ City. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up? I got uh, Jamie the Great here. Yeah, what up, what up? And D-Miles is MIA. He's uh, getting his ass fixed once again. Still getting his ass fixed. Still getting his ass fixed. And uh, we have a special guest host who's holding it down for D-Miles. We got Ross One in the building. What up, Ross? Hey. And then, uh, you know, we got... Two of New York's finest over here. We got Tondo, uh, 1988, and Flow, And uh, we're going to make this kind of like a little New York session. And Jamie's going to be the L.A. outside over here. I'll be All the right? tourist of this, of this <laughs> podcast. So Flow, Tondo, thanks for coming through, man. I appreciate y'all coming through, man, for real. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So what's good? I mean, how's it? how y'all feeling? In New York right now, I know it's been pretty... Um, y'all were really going through it early on in March... And it seemed really dark and dismal. And it seems like you guys have turned the corner over here. I mean, Governor Cuomo is definitely feeling himself right now. And he's he's acting like y'all just won the NBA championship yeah. of COVID, you know, in the, in, the, in the United States. So I definitely want to highlight that you since the, the <clears throat> pandemic hit, you know, in March, all of you guys have been really... Uh, productive and uh, I've been really I've been really inspired and uh, by what you guys are doing you know Tondo you you're one of those like local resident DJs that was you know open format DJ in New York and you was pretty much in a lot of the clubs and a lot of the bars around there and you've somehow transitioned to becoming a producer and I want to talk more about that and uh, you know you have a new single coming out it's called questions through fools uh, fools gold Right. Yeah. And then uh, Ross, you've also been doing production. Congrats on that. You know, you had a, a new a song on Buju Bantan's new album, Cheated, that you did with Pace Rock. Yeah. I want to talk about that as well. And Seaflow, you've been uh, busy too. You uh, developed an app uh, back in around April or so called Stemverter, right? Yes. It's basically it's probably an app that almost every DJ should have, every producer should have, where it extracts like acapellas and vocals, drums, bass lines, keys. Uh, from pretty much almost any song, right? Most, yeah, most it could pretty much do it with it, yeah, yeah, with almost all the songs. But you guys have been pretty busy with with everything going on. Yeah, Tondo's, Tondo, I was gonna uh, give him his, his props because I've been listening to his song, uh, "Your Love," nonstop. That's one of my favorite tracks to drive to, and it's fucking dope as fuck. I like, I like his shit is really different, really refreshing. And shouts to you because I know you dropped that like right after quarantine and all that shit happened. And you've been catching some traction, and probably most of Spotify plays is me. But shouts to you, bro. Back <laughs> good. No, we, we you dropped that. That was like that was kind of uh, you dropped that last year, right? Your love. I think it was like sometime in the winter. Yeah, memories look bad, but like probably five six months ago, maybe maybe March actually. Maybe he's right. Yeah. Maybe oh no, no no sorry sorry it was March of last year, but I started playing it a lot because you posted about it on Twitter during the quarantine that's what that was, i got confused but it was march of last year when you dropped it that's my fault i was really i was yeah. really yeah i was really impressed when you dropped that that single i thought it was great you know um and i know how hard it's like it's 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 a, i mean can you explain like transitioning from being a local resident dj to like produce an open format and then producing dance music i mean i've been producing music this whole time yeah but it just it's like it process you know it's like i'm finally like kind of turning a corner where it's like people are noticing for 10 years i was like my music just nobody cares you know what i mean like not that i'm like a superstar now or anything like that but just like 
the plays were just like like horrible you know what i mean but now it's like people are listening and records are getting signed and like things are happening so it's like i don't know music has always been the focus like i wanted to dj but just like the open format thing is just like here's the ceiling like how do i i just didn't see how you could like pass a certain threshold you, you know what i mean like so music has always been like the focus for me. Yeah, because I, I remember spinning with you at the Toronto Film Festival. You remember that? Like, I think it was two yeah. years ago, right? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Marty was there. Shout out to Marty. And uh, and and I started following you. And you're like, you're really like a character. I, I love I love you on Twitter, man. You're amazing. You seem so over the open format scene. You're like completely over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like completely done with it and over it in New York. And I think, you know, like you said, you've been working on music for the past 10 years, but it started getting some, like people started noticing maybe in the last two years, right? Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah, and do you think that's like kind of the natural course of production? Do you, do you kind of get it? Do you understand the process now? that it would it would take eight years or so yeah i mean like i feel like for some people like you're just a natural or you know some people say that isn't the case but like it definitely just like uh it took a while like i'm not a natural musician like i never played instruments as a kid like mm -hmm. my songs were out of key for six years you know what i mean like, oh, shit. <laughs> what i mean like i'm just not a natural mm -hmm. so eventually i was just like i started like kind of just reaching out to people for things that I can't do. Like I can't engineer, like I can get really close, but I'm just not going to engineer a track the same way that someone who just engineers can engineer a track. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just realizing that like, I'm not the most talented dude in the world, but I definitely want to like make dope music and I'll do whatever it takes to, to make it. You know, Ross, you kind of went through the same kind of like, I don't know, process, right? When you started doing production where you would kind of like look for really great loops and stuff. And then you started like kind of layering drums, but then you'd, you'd uh, work with other producers to kind of like build on, you know, your beats and certain. Yeah. I mean, Pace and I have been working together for a long time and, and, uh, shot the Pace Rock. Yeah. Pace Rock. And I mean, that's my dude from back in Cincinnati. So we go way back and we've been just kicking around beats for like, honestly, years, you know, I'll find a, loop or chop something up and just add some kind of like skeleton drums under it and then he's actually really on point with production and he's the kind of guy you can sit and watch like 40 hours of ableton tutorial youtubes i can't watch any of that stuff i'm like i just want to chop it and put drums under it and be done you know like i'm really really simple when it comes to what kind of beats i like and and then how i would make a beat so it's really helpful to kind of i just send those ideas to him too. And it's vice versa. You know, we're kind of always just working back and forth. Yeah. And um, I mean, we've made some stuff that it's, we're kind of in that stage right now where there's like some good stuff in the tank kind of, and, and it just, you're just sort of waiting. It's a place I'm kind of familiar with a little bit where you just like want to have your shit pretty good so that when the opportunity does come, you're like kind of ready to, to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Buju record is really cool. I think that, I mean, that's the first thing we've ever had placed, you know, for, for, us working together um but there's other stuff that we've just been kind of like you just kind of sit on it and, and this business is so crazy for just kind of how long you end up sitting on a project or sitting on a record and, and nothing happens and then you know you're just kind of waiting you're waiting for that break i, I know the feeling of it and I, I can feel that we're right there you never know if, if it's going to happen or not but 
When when did you submit that that the beat for Cheated for the Buju? Buju the Buju record was I mean that's just the beat like um the beat is is something Quali used. I mean uh high tech used, which for both me and Pace being from Cincinnati, like I was just kind of fucking with that because I was like, oh, this is this is dope. It kind of it's due for a rework because Reflection Eternal used it. It was the Fortified Live beat, right? Fortified Live, yeah. yeah. And so I was messing around with it. I sent it to Pace. He kind of like took it in a whole other cool direction. And it was just like a fun thing. And then because we're both on Rock Nation, we kind of submitted through them because Bougie works with Rock Nation. We were just kind of like, yo, we got this kind of like a dance hall beat. It's kind of a throwback dance hall type beat. And, you know, they just sent it in. It's crazy how it works. Sometimes it's it takes like, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks. And then sometimes it's a couple years on stuff like that. So how long so, did that one take? Uh, I want to say... Maybe we first turned it in six months ago, you know, and there wow. and, and and the people, you know, the the management or whatever was like, we like this. He's gonna record to it. Maybe even more. It might have been more like a year ago because probably six months ago is the first time I ever heard like a, a rough track of Buju on it, just like in the office with with the um, Rock Nation people, and they were just like, here's kind of a sketch that he did. He's gonna record, which was crazy to hear that but you don't get to take it with you. So I was like trying to tell Pace, I'm like, oh, it's crazy. It's got Buju on it. Like. He's like, what does it sound like? I'm like, I don't know. It's just Buju, you know? Like, I don't remember <laughs> shit about it. Because we don't write this. We didn't write the song. We just made the beat. It was just like, you know, and sometimes it, it's like that. We're, you're not really producing the whole song. You just make the beat, give it give it yeah. off, and then you don't know what you're going to get back. And then there's you know? no there's no input, right? They don't they don't tell you if it's going to make the album. They don't tell you, hey, how do you like this mastered? You like the arrangement? That's it. I'm, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not on the radar like that. I think yeah. you got to earn your stripes for that kind of stuff before uh-huh. they... But if you turn in, I mean, if you want to do that, what you do is you turn in a complete song. You, you work out the melodies, you get somebody to sing on it, and you say, this is the song. And, and then they can, you know, they can take parts of it from there. Mm-hmm. But we, weren't, we didn't have that on this record. You know, it was just, just a cool beat that was, we were kicking around. And Tondo, the process for you is like completely different, right? It's more indie. It's more like, yo, as soon as you it's ready, you just kind of push it out there, right? Yeah, I mean, I've dealt with labels like nothing like rock nation but i've dealt with like small dance labels and like that i definitely i i signed your love originally to this label and for nine months it was like i don't know they're just dragging their feet they were initially interested and then it just like worsened so like i've signed stuff and that stuff definitely takes a while because i feel like there's a schedule at labels where it's like yeah it's this person's turn but then like doing indie stuff like yeah like i just finished a song like this week and it's mixed and mastered and I'm waiting on artwork and it'll be out like August 31st. Wow. I have a, I have a question for you, Tondo. Like you had such a successful run with your love and you're talking about you were dealing with a label and it took nine months. Why did you sign the next single to like a fool's gold record? Like, didn't you just want maybe just run it by yourself or what's the because as a as a as a dj i believe that you know you don't really need the 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 label that much anymore especially as you you being your own dj like you can play your own record you know like what does at this point what does a label can do for a producer like you or other producers right that are djs like what does the label bring to you that you're not ex- like you don't have access to you know well, what I'm basically saying? Like, basically what are the benefits of teaming up with the label or having is it do they help with distribution do they do they give you a budget for like a music video or marketing like what like what are the benefits and obviously you know uh you're you're like a local resident dj in, in open format in new york so it's very different if you were like 
a huge dance uh, DJ, you know, like a, a huge DJ in a dance market in the industry. So you, so is there like, what are the benefits? You know what I mean? Like what's the appropriate way to go about releasing music? You know, I guess that's what you were trying to say, right? Kind of, I'm just building on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I think the benefits are that labels have relationships with like people in licensing, Spotify playlisting, DJs, radio, like I don't have all those relationships. Like a label like Fool's Gold, like I'm sure they know people at all sorts of places that can like just get more eyes on your song. Cause like when you release a song by yourself, you are essentially becoming a label, which is cool. But like for these like major label songs to really go, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend like to promo a song and I don't have those relationships like I know the like the Spotify dude I know like the head guy at Rolling Stone you know what I mean like I just don't have those relationships and just like DJing you got to have the right personality for it and for, and for if you're kind of like a bit of an asshole like you know m- many of the <laughs> many of the members of this podcast <laughs> when it comes to uh just sort of outward personality shit. We're not assholes. It's just like you get a little standoffish or whatever, but it doesn't work. It's just like in DJing, you need those relationships. You know, it's, it's the mm-hmm. reason why a DJ who's not, maybe not quite as good will get a job over a DJ who's maybe more talented for the room. It's just all about personal relationships. It's the same when you get into production. And that's why it's cool that you can do it on your own. But unless you really have a standout track, you know, you're going to, you're going to need help of a lot of people. Yeah, the, yeah. Label, not, the label, the label co-signing the track will get you further than you ever could. And people will pay a lot yeah. more attention. Like having Fool's Gold, you know, he's gonna you're gonna get a lot of attention for that record right out of the gate. People are gonna give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. Got it. Sorry, it sounds so ignorant, guys. I no, just no. didn't know. Yeah, my fault. <laughs> we we don't wanna, we don't expect much from you, Jamie. Don't worry. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> By the way, Tondo, are you doing the vocals on the next track too, or or not? Nah? I wish I could. Because <laughs> he did the vocals on Your Love and I enjoy that track no, a lot. Those were those were, uh, those were Spice vocals. Those aren't mine. I didn't oh, okay. Sing. Well, Spotify <laughs> said you performed it. So I'm like, oh, shit, okay. I can't sing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think that was his vocals on that record. Yo. That's you what Spotify <laughs> said. I was like, he probably tweaked it. He probably did some shit to it. I don't know. I'd be Spotify was like, yeah, he performed it. I was like, I'd be like Wiley and probably like, damn, this motherfucker need to go out there right now. <laughs> fucking next Drake over here. For real. <laughs> hey, so uh, with you with you guys being producers, have you messed with C-Flow's new app, which is the Stemverter at all? Do you guys know about it? I messed around with it a little bit. It's really good. And you just Pause. updated it, right? Yeah, I know. I sent you the new version when I put it out. Yeah. So I put the new version out probably like, I guess, close to a month ago now. Um, and it basically like, I put the first version out in April and I was, I just, you know, it was basically my pivot when everything shut down. I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I can do to get some income coming in. And at first I was doing like one, I mean, I'm still doing one-on-one Mac help over zoom for people, including most people I know are DJs. Yeah. You're like, you're like the Mac wizard, right? Yeah. So I was doing like one-on-one appointments and installing the components of stemverters like under the hood um command line tools and people would have to type in codes to do all the things that the app does and one of my buddies was like dude you should get this developed into an app and i was like ah you know i kind of like the one-on-one you know being like i don't really want to invest in all this whatever 
finally I hired a developer and I got the first one made, but like I had designed the interface and all that. And so it wasn't very polished and, um, you know, it functioned like the functionality was there, but, um, there was room for improvement. So I spent basically all the money I made on the first run reinvesting to like polish up what state it's at now. Um, it looks nicer. It functions much cleaner. Installation doesn't hang as often as the first one did for some people. And, um, I got another version coming out in like six more weeks. My developer's working on right now, which will have um, batch conversion. So you'll be able to drop like 20 songs on at once. And oh, just wow. click go. God damn. Um, and then the option to wrap it as an MP3 so that, you know, you can choose wave or MP3 and the MP3 would like clone over the ID three information from the source file. So I feel like if you're doing production stuff like in Ableton or, you know, anyone who wants to use the stems to make music, you'll probably just leave it as a wave. But a lot of DJs who are going to be doing like live blends or use it as a tool would probably want to save the space and wrap it back as an MP3. So having it um, sort of do all that, all those like post conversion steps, file management steps for you is going to be like, I guess, the new features that set it apart from other options that are out there. So you basically developed that that app, right? In like what, like a month or so, or how? Yeah, like three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Ah, damn. Is that normal? Oh, that seems <laughs> no, fast. No? That's, that seems super fast. That's yeah. Not, I mean, but, you know, the components are available. Like it's based on an open source that can be used in commercial outlet. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen like Phonic Mind. It, you know, it was been around for like a year, but it's paper track. So you have to pay, you know, I think it's like $3 for every conversion mm-hmm. or buy, you know, five conversions for 10 bucks or whatever. They have like tiered systems. But once that same AI splitting technology became available on your desktop, like not on the cloud, that's when I was, I paid a developer to wrap that into a, a user interface that is an app. Wow. So it was, it was like, I saw the accessibility and I looked into the licensing and I was like, oh, wow, you can use this in com- commercial development. I was like, all right, let's wrap it up. So with, with some of the acapellas and like the drums, the separations, right? On certain songs where there's like, you know, there's not so many layers, it like, it can really kind of like, it can really separate the tracks really well, right? So, so what it is, is it's AI that's been trained to listen for each component. Mm. So they uh, like, um, it's originally developed by Deezer, which is like a Spotify-like company out of France. Um, and they trained the model. It's like a model that's, they've thrown a bunch of acapellas at it and a bunch of drums and a bunch of basses and it's learned what those frequencies are. And then it goes and it analyzes the song you put in based on those models and pulls out the pieces. And what your question, like to answer that is, if the producer has left enough space for each sound in the mix, then yeah, it does it very well. Um, if it's over compressed or like, you know, if there's like sounds that are bleeding into the spaces, um, you know, kind of on top of each other, that's when it has a harder time and an acapella might come out a little DIY sounding. Um, I know a lot of the Bad Bunny Ozuna stuff, like that's really clean because of the way that it's mixed and mastered, like whoever's, done the arrangement and left enough space between each sound Mm. Uh, all the older records like you know 70s and 80s and disco and stuff like that those all sound really really nice Um, hip-hop it just depends on you know the song you're going to get a varied you know i'd say probably like 85 percent of the time it turns out pretty good and sometimes it turns out a little more tinny or a little more transients or whatever but it's it's a case by case and um you know rx7 the um the vst is like the pro you can 
change all the parameters and dial in the sounds and like spend time and really filter it the way you want. And Stemverter is kind of like the drag and drop and click go. AI takes care of it, but you don't really have much say over the parameters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, so, it's great. Like, I, I mean, I'm probably like, yeah, like maybe out of one out of every eight songs, it, it really can't pick it up. But like you said, it really depends on the, on the songs that I'm doing. Like I did, I think I did it with like LO Cool J, uh, I Need Love, and it came out perfect. Especially yeah, that yeah. A lot of times, like you know, you you're done. You're like, I can't. I can't, I still can't believe it that it works. You yeah. know, I'm like, I've been wanting this the whole time. I've been DJing. So does the AI improve ever so that it can kind of pick up and it can pick up yeah, more sensitivity? Periodically, they release a new, um, and it's on server side. So when you first install it, it actually grabs those components off the internet and pulls them down onto your computer. Mm. Um, and in my next version, I'm gonna have like in um, like the setting, there'll be a settings page, and you'll be able to like clear out the old version. And it'll grab the new stuff from the server. That's dope. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Dope. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Three weeks, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> How much is the app? Um, so it's at, it's normally seventy nine, but right now I'm running twenty five percent off uh because of the release of version one point one. It's just um the the code's update one. So you put the promo code in. People can always DM me on Instagram or Twitter too. I'll always like throw a code at them. So yeah. Tondo, do you have it? Do you have that app or no? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I guess you'll just. <laughs> Damn, you haven't sent it to him, bro. What's wrong with you? Yeah, he's he's busy making making his own music to pull yeah. apart. He doesn't he's need like, the app. He's singing his own yeah, songs. Right? Exactly, he's he's singing the vocals. <laughs> See, Flo, I got this. Relax. I, I saw some comments on Twitter. People thought that the AI making the acapella was like a computer singing the song what oh wow that's kind of crazy (laughs) yeah they were like they're like why would i ever want a computer to make the acapella nice all right there's a learning curve over there fucking internet the internet so wait i want to talk about you guys everyone's pretty much from new york you know ross is kind of like you've been in la now for what two years a year? A little over a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're basically, I, I want to talk about the New York scene right now and what's happening now, what's been happening, and what you guys think is going to happen and how it's looking because, I don't know, man, over the past five years, and maybe it's more because I've been in Vegas since 2005, never has been in Vegas since 2001, right? Uh, no, 2003. 2003, yeah. So, yeah. um. It seems like in the past five years, and let me know if it's more than that, it seems like NYC nightlife has not been very kind to DJs. Uh, and you can, you guys can tell me. <laughs> yeah, they all nodded at the same time. Like, uh. well, like, I mean, is that exclusive to NYC? Uh, I mean, I would just say like looking at the big scheme of things, the ceiling has come down across the entire market everywhere over time. I think there's, I mean, Vegas has been okay. It has been pretty okay, steady. Uh, I think Miami has been kind of not bad as well. You know, I think New York just, for for New York to be kind of the mecca of nightlife since, I don't know, the 70s to the 2000s, would you say? Yeah. Right? In, in, in America? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For it to be the mecca and kind of the standard of what nightlife is, and then to all of a sudden in the 2010s just become like this, you know, just this lifeless city of like, you know, like it was just almost had no identity. I don't, you know, you guys can can explain it more, but I would visit my homies and DJs in New York, and they just be completely defeated and 
discouraged and and you know it's just like why is the city why are these companies why are these clubs treating these djs like this is it's like a horrible fucking thing you know what i mean um but i I wanted to talk about it because you know like i don't know at, at some point maybe like two three years ago or four years ago you know like gigs were like 400 dollars all night for like from open to close for like a major club for like a big club and you know in vegas 400 dollars would maybe you know a competent dj who could hold down like a casino bar or casino lounge would get 400 for an all night which would be like 11 to 2 but Mm -hmm. you know the new york dudes are doing 11 to what like five or some shit fucking 430 probably other than four yeah yeah 10 to four sometimes yeah, there's, so, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for it, I think, probably. And you're talking more exclusively about kind of open format bottle service type clubs. Oh, for sure, yeah. The other, the mm-hmm. more dance scene has its own scene, and, and that is still, I think, kind of thriving in Brooklyn and certain areas in New York. Mm-hmm. But what? For a limited, you know, if you can break into that world, you know, if you can build your name just like anywhere else. Mm-hmm. In terms of like bottle service and, and that kind of high-end whatever club environment, I think a lot of it is the rent. A lot of it is the people who are living in the city now. Um, and then there's a lot of competition and, and you know, the clubs are going to pay what they have to pay. And, and, you know, we spent a lot of years getting those rates up in New York and, and slowly, slowly every year creeping them up. Um, I, I don't know if anybody, I don't think even like Tondo remembers, like I, I had to leave New York in order to start working in New York. You know, I was just opening every night. It was impossible for me to, break through to that like headlining slot. And at that time it was, you know, you made 150, 200 bucks to open. And then if you did the whole night, they kind of still gave you 200 bucks, you know, like they kind of just saw you as this role player DJ. I had literally had to move to Miami in order to, and start doing really good clubs down there. And then, then I started working in New York after that, then I would come back and they'd be like, Oh shit, you know, like you were killing it in Miami. Now we're going to give you a better chance in New York. Mm -hmm. I would also, come up like once a month. So I would make myself scarce. I wasn't like trying to work every week so I could kind of hold off or I could stack a few gigs and like make it a special event, you know, try to pick really good weeks to be there where the club was going to be popping. It was all really strategic. Um, Did the clubs know you moved to Miami? It it took a minute, but I mean, they didn't, the managers didn't notice me back then, you know, like they Mm -hmm. didn't care. I was just tired hand. So when I moved to Miami and then like a lot of the club operators from New York started coming to Miami to party. And I would be DJing. Uh, okay. Half the time they recognize me, half the time they wouldn't. But they'd mm-hmm. see me doing a room like Privé or Mansion, and they'd be like, "Oh shit, you can hold this room down." It was the same shit I was doing in New York, but now it was like, "Okay, come back." And wow, man. Now, like, I mean, I've you know probably tripled, quadrupled my rate, you know, just by like leaving and, and DJing in a wow. new environment or whatever. And then, and so, and so that was great. And, and I would just go to New York occasionally. And then when I went back to New York, you know, you start feeling it again, where it's just. To so many DJs, so few clubs now. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have like conglomerate clubs and they can pretty much just set the rules and, and, uh, and, and the whole city follows it, you know, at a certain well, point. Yeah. Tando, I feel like we were in, um, different, like kind of opposite. You were kind of uptown and right in Brooklyn, some, and sometimes downtown. And I pretty much stick to Lower East Side and sometimes meatpacking, I guess. Yeah, I was like mostly at like I would open at like one oak and up and down like every week. That was my thing for like years. And I'd do the Jane Hotel on weekends and like just other stuff. And yeah, I mean that that was pretty much my thing. And I don't know. I, I agree with Ross that like all the people that like the people that start their own parties in New York, 
I feel like they're not complaining because they found they found a way to like make it a uh, make it uh, profitable for them. But it, like as far as like the open format like bottle service scene, it's just like there's let there's there's so many less clubs than even when I started. You know what I mean? Like meat packing, you said pink elephant. I, I forget the one across from catch, but like VIP room, like all these places. And now it's just like one Oak and like town, I guess Avenue has gone. So it's like, I don't even know. Cause I haven't been, who knows what might be gone. I mean, the rumors are crazy, you know, right now. So, and, and the problem is the, the only bright side to it might've been that rents came down because of all this and that new clubs would be able to open and, and people who weren't, you know, multimillionaires would be able to open a cool spot. But I mean, I'm simple, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't even seem like the rents are coming down that much. Well, you know what? Today I read an article in the New York Post and they're saying that um, they're going to debt all dance floors in the nightclubs in New York. They're what? All the dance floors. They never have dance floors anymore at the nightclubs. It's just going to be small venues. It's just going to be the new thing. Yeah, but uh, but but are small venues even going to survive? Like, cause I'm well, so here's know. so here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know, but I have yeah. my own DJ agency, mm-hmm. uh, Downtown Talent, and I kept it under the radar kind of on purpose because I didn't want to uh, operate like some of the other agencies around. Um, but I was primarily booking small rooms. Um, I, my, my target was not big rooms or bottle service clubs or whatever, and that was because I know that a DJ can make a big difference in a small room at a small bar or yeah. bar club. And, and um, the bar will see a difference in sales between a great DJ and a good DJ and a shitty DJ. There's going to be a difference at the bar versus in a large club. It doesn't really matter. You know, they could put a promoter up there with, with his iPod plugged in as long as there's bass music and big Sean coming out of the speakers. Like they're going to make their $33,000 at the bar mm-hmm. no matter what. So not true, but <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, that's how they approach it. That's how the talent buyers approach it. Like it doesn't, they don't value the DJ is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, right. And and you can make a big impact in the bar sales specifically between two 30 and 4 AM. Um, mm-hmm. If the DJ is talented and knows how to like, you know, Do you- program the night properly. So my whole thing was coming into rooms that pay 300 a night and saying, Hey, look, use my team right away. It's three fifty Cause I'm going to make my 50 bucks. But if you like how it's going after four weeks, uh, our minimum is 400, of which I'm going to take 20%. The DJ is making 320. A month after that, you still like it. We're going to end up at 450. I'm going to take 20%. The DJ is going to end up making 360 in a room that pays three. Mm-hmm. So the DJ is making more at a spot. And the bars, everyone that we approached and saw it, it was a positive business relationship. And um, all those were small rooms downtown, um, open format, um, kind of, you know, I guess, high high energy dance, you know, throwbacks, current pop up and down, you're moving it all around. But it was a, it was a tried and true business model. It was really working well up until the shutdown. How did you start that? What, how did you initiate, like, how did you start becoming a DJ pimp for all, for all these spots in LA? Come on. (laughs) Well, the the first one was just at a venue that like they had no clue what they were looking for. And they had been around, I guess, close to a year. Um, And they were in my neighborhood and I hadn't even heard of them. That's how like, off the radar they were and they needed a cover one night and i ended up getting connected and i came in and i did my thing and apparently it was drastically different than anyone they'd had in there right and the guy's like hey look we want you back whatever and i was like yeah you know like 
I charge more than what you guys are paying. I think they were paying 300. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I don't know if we can do that, whatever. I was like, look, you know, well, let's put one date on the board at 300 again and bring the owner in so he can see the difference. And after that, the owner was like, he was like my age and he was sold. He was like, this, this rules, we're seeing a huge difference at the bar. And I was like, well, you know, if people are here this night and it's great and they want to come back to your bar and it sucks the next time they're here, then they're not going to come back again. And that's going to mean I have to start from scratch every time I play here. Why don't you let me start feeding DJs in here who won't be the same thing I'm doing, but it's at least a similar caliber and I can vouch for them and give them direction. Damn. And Look at that game, yo. That shit is crazy. Yeah, well, he gave me a shot and it worked out <laughs> really pimpin', well for them. Pimpin', and they, pimpin'. Well, they went from a spot that had no following to like 100 people down the block, like wow. slam. Wow, man. They ended up opening the second spot. Like I did, I didn't set out to open an agency or anything like wow. that. They, they they expanded and used me again for mm-hmm. their programming, and then another venue hit them up and they said, "Hey, what's you know what's your secret sauce?" And they put me in touch, and then I had three three slots on every Friday Saturday, and I was like, "Okay, I got to spin off another business here." Wow, wow, man! Handle the the money, and that, then that's, once I did that, I sort of like crazy. I was yeah. like, "Well, let me get the gas with this other business entity and see what's going on." Mm-hmm. Wow, so, yeah, I was up to like that, 10, 10 venues every Friday Saturday. It was pretty good. So wait, you start you started with this one company, and you actually helped them grow, right, and expand, pause, yeah. right? To and then they opened another venue, and they brought you there. Yeah. And then how many venues did they ended up opening? They had eventually they had a third one, mm-hmm. and up until March they were about to open a fourth and fifth wow. in April. Oh, shit. Um, but you know what's really sad is I don't know if you guys ever saw on my tweets talking about like collecting all the payments, right. all these venues owed me after the shutdown. I've yeah. got money from every venue except for them, and. I am in the process of taking them to court. So really, it's like, and I, and like in the emails, I was like, you know, Hey, you guys are my flagship customer. You know, like I realize our relationship stems back from my original, you know, uh, endeavor here. And I don't want to have to do this, but like, these are my next steps. And they just weren't answering. They just wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer. And I'm like, all right, my next step is you're going to get a letter from my lawyer, you know, Still no answer. These are the guys that, that owed cool. you like twenty k or something. No, they they owe me four k. Four k. Okay. Yeah, because I mean it was four weekends. Yeah. You know, and I had the rate in that room at five hundred a night. So see, like I had I had a, a couple of clubs owe me money, and I actually, and it was it was nearing. I think it was close to six to eight k. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to just kind of take an L on them, man. Just because I'm like, yo, like every no one's making money, so I just kind of like, yo, it's I gotta take that L, and everyone's taking the L, and I was ready to just be like, you know, like, yeah, what am I gonna do? I, in the end, I know these clubs, I know the GMs, I know like the people there. I'm not gonna hound them like they're like evil, like they have the money. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. You may know better than me, but. Well, Did the thing is, like, I had it, you know, it was like yeah. I had eight or nine different venues not paying me. So it was somewhere around like 30K. Wow. And so I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to kind of have a blanket ask here where I'm like, hey, I understand you're not in a position. You know, I slowly ratcheted up from like friendly to stern to like, you know, you're leaving me no choice to now my lawyer is going to take over this mm-hmm. conversation. You, you you didn't fear that when things kind of maybe start going back together, they're going to be like, yo, fuck C-Flow. He was... I mean, at this point, I'm like, fuck them for not wanting to pay me. Why would I want to do business with someone? Like what that? a pimp, bro. This motherfucker's pimp hands strong. Like, I'm not. There's decisions that are made. They're the ones who decided not to pay. Right. 
So like, I don't have any qualms. With I guess, I guess it's worse that they didn't answer their phones, right? If they answer their phones, oh, they, 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 they all reached out with, I mean, when I had the lawyers send the blanket email, you know, with different info for each person, I got 30% of, I got 10 grand of that back in the next two hours. Wow. Like I had all these venues just pay the bills right away, mm. you know? And then the Boy. other ones were like on payment plans. So like, all it took was someone with a different email address asking on my behalf. Like, fuck that. Right. <laughs> so you think you would never work with them again after this is over with? I mean, I don't think they're not going to, I don't think they're going to survive. Right. That's the thing is like, you know, I'm on, I'm on a list of vendors that didn't get paid. Yeah. And I'm not the one that's not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And so, that, I think that's the, the misconception is everyone saying that, Oh, these smaller venues, these smaller bars are going to, you know, that's going to be the saving grace for DJs. And I'm like, I don't think those they're going to be open. Like, yeah. they're not going to be open this year, I don't think. Maybe in some cities, like maybe ours, you know, these like smaller towns or whatever, but definitely not in major cities. I don't think there's going to be well, any I think bars, since you know? we, were the, we were the epicenter, I think we're going to be the last market to come back online, you know, just, just off, uh, you know, like the reputation of that, like that damage has been done that they're mm-hmm. going to be the most cautious about. You know, we're also all very small basements clubs. So right. like everyone's in each other's faces. There's no airflow, which is like what makes it awesome, but it doesn't make it conducive under COVID. Not, so. No, not at all. <laughs> right. I definitely don't think small bars are going to be open in New York. I don't think, you know, maybe I think if anything, outdoor venues, any any venue that has a patio or rooftop, you know, anything that's kind of outdoors, those are the only ones that are going to survive. And they got to start implementing... Yeah some type of food menu with whatever they're doing just to open up. Well, it's, it's going to be like, you know, restrictions for a while. Um, as they open things back up, it's really the conglomerates that are going to be able to weather the storm financially, you know, like, and even Tau group closing Avenue and Vandal. And, you know, I'm sure there are more in the pipeline. Um, they're like, you know, they're owned by Madison square group. Yeah. They got, yeah. You know, an unlimited amount of money to re to weather the storm if they wanted. Um, not that it's financially sound for them, but for a small business where like those guys were, they're may. I mean, you're making a healthy profit on a weekend for sure, but you know, I don't think they're doing rainy day funds. You know, they didn't weren't answering to investors. I don't think. So, do you think that it's funny? Do you think that this was kind of a reset that New York needed, though? I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell till we make it to the other side. And that nightlife didn't really seem like it was evolving. It was like holding on to something that was maybe passe. It was like it was like kind of holding on to this old time that didn't exist. And they were like convincing everybody that, no, this is still relevant. And it maybe wasn't. And so I feel like everything's getting reset at this time. I, th- I don't know if that's necessarily unique to New York. I mean, it's it's the on-demand culture, right? Like everyone having Spotify streaming and all the requests, like the mm-hmm. same stuff that's been talked to death. I don't know. I mean, that kind of happens everywhere, right? People being well, only wanting to hear some some type of thing in that environment, right? Like, Well, I think like if, if you go to like Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, they have their kind of like sports, mega sports bar, um, you know, format that's really doing well. You go to Las Vegas, they have their big room format that's kind of doing well. LA has this kind of like, you know, I don't know, s- small, like kind of secular Small, parties, intimate, intimate, small parties. intimate venues, yeah. 
And then when I would go back to New York, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on over here? You know, like there would be one or two parties that would really stand out. But everything else would be like, what is what is this? Like, what this is New York? Like, I was going... And I felt bad for the DJs because they're just trying to, like... They're just trying to get through it. But obviously, I wasn't going to, like, the smaller venues. But I was going to, like, you know, some of the more high-profile, well-known clubs that are in the city. And, um, yeah, I just feel like maybe this reset was is, is kind of necessary. And then, you know, even... Uh, even with Tondo, like, you know, what you're going through, does it seem like this is kind of, it seems like this rebrand is kind of like working for you a little bit, right? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's like with the open format, like bottle service stuff is for me, it's always just been like a means to an end. Like I like DJing and shit, but like, I don't like any of that music really. Not on some like snob shit, just like, I don't know. Hopefully if I could come out of this, like an artist is, is instead of like, just being like work for hire, like that would be dope. You know what I mean? Just like that, 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 that would be the goal. Yeah. What about you, Ross? Do you, Ross, do you feel the same way kind of a little bit or no? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I really just don't know, man. It's such a fucking crazy time. Yeah. I, I, DJing was already on the decline. I mean, it, that was no secret for open format for, you know, the kind of the grinders, the blue collar DJ guys, even even kind of at the higher end, you could feel that it was changing and, and it was dying out. Definitely in New York, you know, like you felt that it was just being so consolidated and so oversaturated with DJs that you, you could just tell everywhere too. Vegas was the same thing. LA is the same thing. Tons yeah. of DJs. Um, everybody's like pretty good. You know, Serato It's really hard to be shitty on Serato. If you go and hear a few DJs and hear what they do, kind of figure it out. You know what I mean? It's not like when, when back when I was talking about Miami where we're like transitioning from vinyl, it's still really tough to, to organize a set and to know the room. Now it's not really like that so much. The music is really streamlined. So, I mean, for me personally, I'm like looking at my hobbies, the things that have always been my hobbies. And I'm like, how am I going to turn that into a job? Which kind of makes me a little bit sad, you know, like that's not how I want to treat my hobbies, but uh, you know, the production thing, you just keep, just keep hammering away. You know, it's, it's, I'm not optimistic about DJing. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> one of you guys, one of you guys realistic. It's not coming back. I mean, it's, you might, I think we're talking about a couple of years before it's like recovered. I think next year, if it comes back, it's going to be, lockdown can we survive what's the bare minimum we can pay what's our bare minimum minimum expense we right. can have to try to rebuild our company i still um, think it's how a, i would yeah. be i still think it's a desperate look next year of anyone trying to think that they're gonna bring it back like oh two, well 2021 we're coming back i'm like no you're not like that's a transition year you're still gonna be figuring shit out and they're not gonna know what's going on even next year yeah. And it'd be a great time. It'd be a great time to open a new club. I've, I've been thinking since day one, like it would be amazing to come out of that with like a new club, a whole new kind of room, something unique. But if the rents aren't going to come down in no. these big cities, it's not going to happen. If they don't do anything about trying to make it more affordable. So cool people, not billionaires can open a club with like a, and, and can afford to take the risk of potential failure. Right. You know, right now in New York, you can't, you can't take that risk. But that, but that's why I think that's not, what you're talking about is not going to happen until 2022 because, like we're saying, like commercial properties are vacant right now, right? Like it's offices, not happen. 
it's not going to happen ever. <laughs> I think you know, it, I, I think it is going to happen next year because I think because this. Let me just lay this out for you guys. Pause. So, <laughs> commercial properties are all vacant. Most of them are mostly vacant. Offices are becoming vacant. Everyone's working remotely, right? A lot yeah. of corporations are like, "Wow, we're running on like really low expenses." You know what I mean? This is kind of the shit that we want to do. Maybe we're you know thirty percent down on productivity, but this is worth it because we're saving a ton of money. So commercial properties are going to become more vacant, more vacant. They're going to be turned into residential like properties, right? They're going to be that's going to take at least a year or so to do that. Residential rents not going to go down. They're going to hold out till next year, and by next year I feel like New Yorkers are going to be like fuck this, we're going to LA or we're going to go to another city. So then that's all of the and all of these yeah, this year and next year and then by next year, probably by by this time next year or towards definitely by the end of next year because Towards the you know towards the third and fourth quarter, all of these uh, landlords are going to be like fuck. Let's lower. You know we got to we got to we've had vacancies. That's already happening. Yeah, I think by That's next hard. year it's going to go down even more. And it's I think it's definitely going to be a, a huge influx of new blood in the city. It's going to be younger. Yeah, it's going to be mm-hmm. you know a little more indie, right? Like it's been Disneyfied over the past twenty years, right? And so it's just gotten more and more homogenized. I hope so. I hope you're right, man. Look at the numbers right now. Look at who's making money. And a lot of people are making a lot of money. And, and it's the yeah. same people who live in Manhattan right now. It's not mm-hmm. kids. You know what I mean? Like it's their kids. Right. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not it's saying not like- I, I don't. I agree with you with. I don't think that nightlife's going to bounce back so quickly and you can go and invest in the property, whatever, because the yeah. rents down. I don't think that, but I'm saying if the rents do plummet far enough, it, it's going to, you know, the people who have been here for 10, 15 years are, you know, are already going to be like, Hey, you know, like you said, an exodus and that leaves a vacuum for then young people to come in who can afford it. If the, if the price is right. Mm-hmm. So, I, th- I think 2022 I think is going to be like the a Renaissance period for New York where 2022, mm-hmm. I think people like you're going to get an influx of creatives coming back into the city, young and everything. I, so that's my hopefulness and my, my feeling. But you have to consider if in another year and a half, two years, that that age group of whoever those kids are, 23-year-olds to 25-year-olds, do they still want to go to a club like the ones that we've been working at for the past 10 years? No, Is they're going to create their own their... movement. They're going to they're create exactly. their own movement. Yeah, it's going to be completely exactly. different, you know, and we're, you know, and we're going to that's be. What, you know, yeah, that's what quarantine has shown me, especially even just like DJing on Instagram and stuff like that. You realize how some of these personal brands like that have been built up because of the club environment don't actually hold water when you remove it, you know, from the sort of the hype of the club. As you watch some of these just online sets, even, even my sets, you know, you just realize, you start to realize like what your actual potential is in terms of, you know, getting people to tune in or moving the needle or how much you actually kind of matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's kind of eye opening. you know, it makes you realize that the real importance is in starting your own parties doing something unique, offering an experience to people. Um, and that those are going to be the parties that succeed. I think MoMA is going to come right back out and his first everyday people is going to be psycho, you know, yeah. and Tiki Disco is going to come back and it's going to be crazy. Right. Because people want those experiences. Is a bottle service club or kind of a rotating cast of people and promoters going to be like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, maybe. I think in a perfect world, I would love to see uh, all of these all these really talented people with their parties from New York to LA to Miami. I would love to see opportunities for them to open their own club. Me too. 
I think that was the answer. What I think is kind of weird about it is like about the shutdown and about um, how that's all played out. It seems like the less skin you had in the game or the further, the, the, if you weren't pushing as hard, it, it hit you, but it didn't hit you as hard. So if you're just a working DJ, yeah, you're out of work right now. But if you were, you know, in my shoes and you had the income from 40 other guys working for you, I obviously am feeling the effects much harder. And then if you're in like Chris or Eric's position, right, where they own clubs in San Francisco, Portland, you've taken that next logical step, which is to open your own club and be the one in charge. And like that makes the most sense. And those guys are now hurting even the most because, you know, with more, more investment become there's more responsibility. And now the rug's been pulled out from all of us at every level. Yeah. It's almost like, the further you pushed into the scene and the more you created for yourself, the harder this hurts, which is really sad to see. Sometimes it's sad mm. to see. Sometimes you're like, yeah. <laughs> I just feel for those, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? I feel for, sometimes I feel you're for like, yeah, they, that they motherfucker got what he deserved. <laughs> you guys got, you guys got beef. I didn't realize. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. You know what I'm We're saying? Just, I'm you know what I mean though? Like if they're like the DJ that made the jump to the next thing. That, right. Like, investing yeah, yeah. in nightlife mm-hmm. and those guys they gotta, they gotta start over again yeah right circumstantially being punished for like the smart decision it's crazy yeah. have you noticed that a lot of djs um kind of like in july right now they're they're really kind of it it kind of everything kind of hit them in july because i felt like in march they they felt like everything was going to come back to normal by now and now it's kind of clicking in it's like yo this is not going to come back to normal like and they're like, holy shit, this, this is not going to come back to normal for, I don't know, maybe until next year or longer. So I'm, I'm, I've been getting a lot of people reach out to me. Like, It's not just DJs. It's everybody. Yeah, it's right. Every industry, world. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you, you should ask like a, like a therapist or something about it. It's, it's, it's insanity. Like things you've never seen. It's like wartime almost. Like the mentality of people right now, the, the anxiety levels. Yeah. It's something that we've never seen in our lifetimes for sure. And, yeah. and who are much older than us, they've never experienced this kind of uncertainty, this kind of anxiety. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. We're living through historic times right now. Yeah. <laughs> not not by choice. You know, you, you brought up you brought up um you brought up something about like kind of like you're going to your hobbies now, right? We're all kind mm-hmm. of going to our hobbies and our loves and what we do, you know what I'm saying? And like Ross, you you um you know you released a book, Rap Tees, a while ago, about vintage uh, hip hop tees, right, from the uh, '80s and '90s, pretty much, right. And yep. then, and recently with the Jordan documentary that came out and the Beastie Boys documentary that came out during the pandemic, right, over the past few months, you created all these like videos, uh, kind of like you know showing off your collection of vintage, you know Jordan uh gear and like beastie boy tees and then you just released uh like a public enemy one that was amazing you by know, the way that was great yeah yes. yeah you like yeah, up- amazing, that Ross. you party that shit bro you up the production crooked. appreciate that help crooked oh uh, no no i mean feedback you up the production level you it, it looked like a mini documentary the way you did it you know i was like when i saw that uh that public enemy uh kind of tribute that you did with the vintage tees i was like this is this is like a potential like Netflix series or like a YouTube channel, if anything, you know. But I think it's it's funny that you're saying about hobbies, like just di- digging into something like that, 
how something like that can turn into an opportunity, you know, like right now. Because if anything, none of us will ever have the time like this to really develop something like this. Like now is the perfect fucking time to do that. Especially with Seaflow with you with like an app, you know, like. Yeah, or like, I mean, I'm doing the Apple support stuff too. It's cinchsupport.com. What so, is this? Wait, what is this you're doing? Wait, what did he just drop? <laughs> it's a um, it's cinchsupport.com. Cinch, C-I-N-C-H. Oh, yeah. You're doing Apple. Um, so you're focusing on Apple support. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but that's, I wouldn't know if it's, a, I guess it's a hobby. I mean, I'm always messing around with the Macs and stuff. It's just something that comes easily to me. And I know, I guess the hobby element is helping other people. Right. So when you're like, hey, something's not working, I'm like, oh, maybe I can help. You know, I know I helped uh, Tando do it over FaceTime, right? Because like months ago yeah i wiped my os trying to update some shit and i had to go back in os don't update <laughs> <laughs> i had to go back I, had to, I was like i was visiting my my parents in oregon and i was like you know I, at my mom's house like facetiming with them like no no you got to click that i actually went back after that i made videos um so i could just send people the link to the video and you're just like what go through it like this so um that'll come in useful for a lot of people yeah and i'm gonna keep doing that i I mean the first when i launched stemverter like that day i did it off of a three-hour zoom seminar i did like a webinar for like djs and just like general mac help and then kind of went into more specifics um and i think i'm gonna go back and break down everything that was in that webinar into like 30 second one minute videos so instead of like you having to slog through all this crap I could just be like, all right, here's this video. This is why I do this. Here's this video. This is why I do this. Some of it's DJ related. A lot of it isn't. Um, you know, a lot of it's just making your computer like easier to use. Stuff like downgrading an OS. I know a lot of guys who, you know, not even DJs, just like music producers or like graphic artists or whatever. People click update because it prompts them to. And then they're stuck with a computer that doesn't do what they need. And, you know, you're left with pretty limited options unless you have someone on the team. So I'm trying to be that person for anyone, you know, smart. It's a Tondo. You've been, um, what do you call it? You've been using a lot of this time. Has this been really an opportunity for you to just really focus on production? And have you been loving this time right now? Yeah, it's been dope. Like sometimes like having too much time is like a little bit of a curse almost. Like sometimes you just, it's like, fuck, like I miss, DJing because it was like a break for the ears you know Mm -hmm. and like but it's definitely been fruitful like a lot of I finished more stuff than I ever have like finished songs and it's been dope but so yeah I I definitely kind of missed the balance of just like leaving just to go do some like work I'm getting paid for you know and just (laughs) I like just DJing for a little bit definitely the balance I guess you know what I mean but it's it's been it's been a blessing in disguise for sure. Are you tired of skating yet or no? <laughs> I haven't skateboarded regularly in like four years. So it's like kind of just been like reconnecting with like an old passion. You know what I mean? And just Is like, there a park up near you? Or are you coming down to the one down here in Chinatown? I go to the one uh, Tompkins Square. And like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. One on House and in Six. And, you know, just like just trying to find ways to occupy my time because like can't be in the house like 24 seven, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. finding ways to get out and be around people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Got it. Oh, have you been going on IG live or Twitch? Not once. No, I'm okay. like, I'm kind of, I'm not sold on it. Like mm-hmm. I see some people are, um, it's like, 
the people that are finding it advantageous, I feel like they have those relationships. Like they know somebody at Twitch. So like they're getting some type of tier that most guys don't have access to. And yeah. it's like everyone was streaming on IG Live and now nobody's streaming on IG Live that I see. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Until the publishing side gets solved, mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of like it's a bit ambiguous. I feel like there's a vacuum. There's definitely a space for some company to come in just like versus um, and come in and be the middleman, whether it's, you know, a, a DJ live streaming official branch of Twitch or Spotify or Apple Music that can come in and say, hey, look, we're covering the blanket rights. We got Ross today. You're doing it on this just like a versus, you know, um, or, you know, maybe have all channels like a Sirius XM sort of thing but with an app or maybe it's on the platform already, but it's an official channel on the platform. But I think someone's got to figure that out. I think Twitch is really, really working on it. Like they are really investing a lot of time and money into it. And it's just such an early stage, you know, like if you think about it, you know, this happened maybe two to three months ago that everyone just started coming on, on Twitch as like a new standard. So it's Mm -hmm. so early right now, but I think they're really, really from what I hear, they're really, really putting a lot of money and a lot of time into making this a new platform for DJs. Cool. So I, th- I think it's only a matter of time before they they kind of get over that hump with all the publishing and, and the shit with the labels. And uh, you're going to start seeing more festivals and there's just more interaction on, on, the, on the Twitch platform. But, you know, uh, Tondo, you're, you're ex- exactly right. Like, there, it, it is discouraging for a lot of people who are joining the platform on Twitch when they're seeing certain other DJs just kind of get bumped to the front, you know, through relationships. But like in anything that we do, that's always a factor. And also it depends on the level or tier of a DJ, you know, the higher, the more respected and well-known a DJ and more plugged the DJ, of course they're going to get like preferential treatment. So it's just one of those things where it's unstoppable anywhere you go, whether it's anything, you know? So but it's I, almost what was happening with the clubs and having an Instagram following, but magnified. Mm, you know, yeah. you're trying to get booked and you you don't have enough clout. And now it's like same thing in, uh, inverted or whatever online. Are, mm-hmm. are you guys seeing any DJs that were like kind of high profile would have a, lot, a large following who are more influencers turned DJs? Have you seen them kind of step away from DJing? I guess I don't pay enough attention. <laughs> I was just uh, wondering. You know, I, I don't know who would that be with like Chantel Jeffries. Like that's, a, that's the first person that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> like no disrespect to any of those type of people. Like I just don't follow them. Yeah. Like, are they still mm-hmm. down for the cause? Like I haven't checked them out. Like, are they still like trying to like stream or anything? Or are they just kind of living it up in their mansion? <laughs> Do they issue copyright strikes while you stream? No. Or is it? No. So, so what happens is, uh, Nothing interrupts your live stream, but once that stream is saved, depending on um, how, depending on how many subscribers you have or whatever, the they're taking kind of muting out sound uh, songs from the saved video. Does that make sense? So it's not like Instagram, it's not like IG Live where they knock you off of the stream. Yeah. But definitely, once the stream is uh, the stream is saved and it's available to be viewed multiple times afterwards. There's yeah. there's definitely like ten like, to twenty yeah. minute pockets where they take music out. So some people have like try to try to check uh, like road podcasts on Twitch, and they're like, "Oh, I, I want to hear what y'all did," 
and you're like, oh shit, there's like half an hour like muted out. So we're just like, oh, like that was a, that was a wash, which which is kind of which is bad, obviously, but it's kind of good because it kind of forces everyone to watch it in real time sometimes. But yeah, I mean, whenever you're ready, uh, Tondo, you can go up on uh, Twitch live stream. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna ask though, how do you feel about like the DJs that are like posting petitions like? And adding every label like, yo, like, stop messing with us. And I'm kind of like, I'm 50-50 on that. Like, I hear them, but it's also like people want to get paid for their music. I understand that too. So I was curious how you feel about that. Oh, I'll have to talk about that. <laughs> you know what? I think everybody <laughs> needs a cause, right? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's fair. Everybody needs a cause. So if that's their cause, if that's going to give them purpose in life, Yo, you go for that shit. Like, you you do that. No, it, it, you what know? you're saying, though, it makes sense on both sides of the coin. And I think the frustration is that they've had so long to figure it out. There's still nothing in place to facilitate yeah. it. Yeah. The content filter on YouTube, they figured it out years ago. They're like, okay, we're going to monetize it. And instead here, they just yank people for seemingly, uh, you know. You think, those, you think those DJs with those petition, petitions are going to make a difference? No, but they're trying to get their voice heard. They're frustrated, right? Right. And that's the only way they can speak out, which I, I'm fine. Like, yo, you do that shit. I pre- like, I actually appreciate it. But do I think it's going to make a difference? I'm like, probably not. So would I think it would be better to find an alternative than to create these petitions? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Tondo, I kind of want to talk about a little bit more about your music, man, because I really, I really enjoyed what you did with your single, Your Love. Thank you know, you. I, I love, I love the music video that you did. Thank and I, I love the work that look, I love seeing DJs put in I love seeing DJs put in the work because I know that sometimes, you know, we can put ourselves out there and really set ourselves up for failure. So when I see some a DJ go out there and really put themselves out there and put themselves on the line and, and put that work in, I really I love it. I love seeing that and I love seeing um the effort in there because sometimes we all act like it's we're, we're too cool and like everything should be effortless but it's a lot of work for an independent like some like an independent dj producer like yourself to come out with a song do the artwork um i think uh prez did it, the artwork on that one right and i yeah. love like you know just kind of everyone helping each other you know like in, a, in the circles you know g- getting a music video done and you had a great story behind that song as well, right? It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I made that song like last year and it was like while my mom was like dying. So it was like definitely like a crazy trying time, like going to the hospital literally every day and just like, but also just knowing like you have to keep going. Like life doesn't stop. You know what I mean? So I did that and just, I don't know, like I think I've, a corner turn for me when I was like, I'm going to stop trying to make remixes. Cause it's like, everyone makes these remixes, but like an original song that's good can one, make you so much more money, but two, it makes you an artist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, a, it's a, it's just a more a definitive statement of who you are. And it's like, these remixes aren't even like legal most of the time. So it's like, you know how many DJs I know, like Diplo plays their remix and it it doesn't do much. Like, you know what I mean? Like your SoundCloud plays go up a little, but like 
that doesn't affect your bottom line and it doesn't even really grow you fans. So it's like, I think doing original music has definitely been like the biggest uh, help to me to like try and stand out a little, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think it really, it was such a great, I, I know you've been producing, like you said, for 10 years. But that was to me a great introduction. It Thank seemed you. it seemed like you put like you know there was a story behind it. The artwork was great. The music video was great. I noticed it, you know. And um, I should I, you know honestly, I always say this because I notice a lot of things. But I'm really actually horrible at reaching out and telling people, yo, you like that was great. Like I really love that. And that's why I'm telling you now because I wanted to tell you kind of. I just, you know, it seems weird, like me hitting you, DMing you and be like, yo, this is really great. I'm really feeling everything, you know, it's kind of like that. But no, I thought it was really, I was really happy about it. And I, and I wanted you and I wanted you to come on the the podcast because I, I feel like there's a lot of DJs that are exactly like you in every city in the country, in this country, who went through the struggles and you really, you really kind of, you stuck it in there for like 10 years, you know? uh eight to ten years and and now we're not even seeing like the end result of everything but we're seeing like the beginning of everything unfolding does that make sense it's it's still very new and it's like it hasn't really happened yet but i see a lot of great things like you did a collaboration with uh disco fries right on my mind also a great record yeah Thank you. Appreciate that. and um and uh and i just think uh you know I'm really. I, I want everyone to keep an eye out for you, and uh, I, I'm really expecting some great. Sh- no, no pressure, but I'm expecting some great shit from you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no pressure, but you're a big fans over here, buddy. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and you're so. Uh, what do you call it? You're so like. Uh, <laughs> but I want to also talk to you about something because on Twitter, you're you're very. <laughs> there's this kind of like you have this energy of like. Um, it seems like you're cocky, but you're being sarcastic at the same time, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's like that Kanye energy where you kind of got of like, you kind of got to convince yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because every day there's somebody and something and somebody's like, somebody's way more successful than you. There's somebody with way more connects. There's somebody with way more contacts and just every resources. So every day you kind of got to be like, you know what? Like, I'm a fucking star, like, you know, so you'll go on Twitter. The delusional part. Yeah, no, but you kind of got to, like, psych yourself into believing that you're going to you're gonna be a star or, like, you're going to do it. Like, this is going to happen. So sometimes you'll be on Twitter and you'll say some shit and I'll just start laughing because it'll be like, you'll say, like, yeah, I used to do these shitty New York clubs and now look at me, over 100,000 streams on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck your shit. <laughs> like, suck, like suck a dick, yo. Suck all your motherfuckers who doubted me. Like suck a dick. And I'm like, yo, I, this motherfucker's getting his Kanye energy yo, out. You I, know what I'm saying? I, I like when he talks shit about Buster Rhymes. We've all had to deal with Buster Rhymes coming, yeah. coming into the clubs in New York. <laughs> Telling us to play his shit. Give me shit, that right? USB <laughs> back. I know, right? Standing right behind you. I need you to lean on this. Back. He always says, I need you to lean hey, on this song. Hey, yo, hey, yo, B, I need you to play my new joint. This this is this the new joint with me and Swiss. It's going to be a monster. The, I just came out the studio just five minutes ago. <laughs> you, you, it's not even mastered or anything. <laughs> you you feel me, Tondo, right, though? You, you know what I'm saying? I want. Is that you kind of psyching yourself up a little bit, or what is it? Uh, Yeah, I definitely, like... I talk mad shit and like, yeah, 
definitely had. You like, can't one. say I talk mad shit like how you just said it right now. I talk. <laughs> no, you, you talk a lot of shit, bro. A lot of funny My man's shit. like, well, yeah, you know, like I talk yeah, mad shit. Regular, nah. you know, wake up in the morning. <laughs> I think being confident is important. Like, I think if you believe in yourself, like, don't let anyone like. Do you know how hard it is to make it in music? It's right. like saying I'm gonna be an astronaut. Like, good luck. You know what I mean? It's really fucking hard. So I think if you don't believe that, like, you have the capability for greatness, then, like, I just don't really know about that. Like, I know for me, like, I have to believe with every bone in my body that, like, I'm capable of making, like, great music. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think that talking shit and, like, being playful is, like, cool. And, like, I definitely don't have a big ego or anything. I'm just, like, confident. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I know I'm still relatively new and I have, like, a lot to do before I could like, you know, really flex on people or anything like that, you know, but I, yeah, I, I'm just confident. Yeah. I, would yeah. Say, you know? I appreciate it though. I, I, sometimes I send your tweets and I send it to like my group chat with Ross Moma and rock and rock the con. <laughs> and we're like, yo, I like this kid's in his bag right now. He's talking his shit. <laughs> now nah, he talks a lot of great shit on Twitter. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, comes yeah. from that rock to con school also, you know? <laughs> oh like, my uh, God. No wonder. <laughs> Like at fifty percent. Like I'm not trying to go that full. full. Like don't go full rock. No. <laughs> oh man! But uh, what do you call it? Is there is there anything else uh, we want to touch on? Pause. Does yeah, I mean, speaking. I want to say on that thing you were just talking about, Tano. It's always nice to see people who work really hard and get really good at something quietly, and then put something out when they're ready and it's good. And it's, mm -hmm. and you can tell there's hard work behind it. There's no, not a lot of ego behind it. It's just spending a lot of time getting good at something, you know, G making good music, doing, doing good work takes time. And, and I, we forget about that in this world because it's so instant and social media driven. But at least for me, I'm always more inspired by people who've been quietly working and then they kind of surprise you and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. this is fucking great. You know, and like, I can tell, I didn't know how good you were at this. It's so rare you get to say that, you know, like in, in this day and age, because people just want to tell you constantly their first day in a studio, they're going to fucking Instagram 20 times behind a keyboard and a mixing board or whatever. So I would, I would, uh, I would tell, you know, if, if, I, if I knew more young people, <laughs> I would definitely try to instill that, you know, that kind of way of thinking. Not good for your career by any means, but, uh, you know, well, makes we, me respect you more. We always talk about this, Ross, right? Like the, the dedication to the craft you know, like it's it's like you know, like even Japanese culture, they're so obsessed with mastering their craft. Yeah, yeah, I love. That's my favorite thing about Japan and Japanese people. I just love the whole mentality. Fucking taking your time to really learn about something, to really like immerse yourself. To not necessarily you don't have to be an expert, but you gotta pay some dues, you know, before mm -hmm. you can. And that's the thing about being a New York DJ. For all the New York guys I know, everybody paid their dues. Everybody put in their five plus seven years grinding opening up for djs who you know you're better than you know like fucking grunt work until you get that sh that, that yeah, they make you earn it you know that shot to kind of break through not as much now because now like i said the playing field is just leveled by serato but especially back then crooked never you know like yeah mm -hmm. you get those shots the headline yeah that's a big moment you know mm -hmm. it's a big moment when when you've been putting in that work for years and then you get that shot definitely I've also blown that shot multiple times as well. <laughs> that one gets a over So have I. We all have. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's and it's so heartbreaking. It's brutal. You know, like and, and you and you always think you always think I'm never gonna get that chance again, man. 
Like you're just like I really blew that shit, and I'm never gonna get it again. But then somehow but you, can, you know you get it. It happens. Again. You get it again. Yeah, you get Even it again. Even if you do get it again, you never forget. I'll never forget those times where but, I fucked up that opportunity. Yeah, but the great thing is, like, usually the second or third time it happens, you're just kind of like, "This is I'm gonna fuck this up again." You know, like <laughs> no, no, you get used to it. You be yeah. like, "Ah, oh, fuck it. If it works, it works. Yeah. If it doesn't. You're used, you're used oh, to oh well, fuck it, man." Yeah. There's really a beauty of not giving a fuck, like really not giving. But you have to like earn. You have to really master the craft or like really excel in the craft. To get to that point where you just don't give a fuck, and when you don't give a fuck, some beautiful shit just happens sometimes. Like yeah. it yep. just like it just the effortless like the the talent and just like everything that you've been building in your head and your heart and everything, it just somehow oozes out of you effortlessly when you don't give a fuck and you've reached that point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You like? I used to love watching. Uh, I remember watching SNS one night, like on a butter Monday. And he was playing on CDs, and this was like kind of back when not many, as many people were playing on CDs. And the CD just like ended, and he was playing Michael Jackson or something. And he, the song just ends, and he's just like scro- the club is packed. He's just like scrolling through, trying to find the next song, starting it. It's fucking up, like stopping it, going to the other one, finding the thing, dead air. And it was just like so confident. He just didn't give a fuck at all because his you know, like whatever his pedigree was so good. So he just he knew like he was he didn't need to be there. Like it was just a great thing. I always remember that, and and it was awful. Like it was a terrible fuck up, and I would have been like, I would have remembered it to this day if it was me too. But for him, it was. It seemed so cool. I was like, yo, this is great. Like the confidence in this dude doesn't give a fuck. And then Rock used to do that a lot too. You know, in a slightly more aggressive. Of course he did. But it's not good. Again, it's just like I was talking about. It's it's not. These are not good things for your career. (laughs) It's just things I respect. But they just cool as fuck, you know? It's the same thing, like, putting in your time and not promoting yourself every step of the way. It's a terrible idea if you want to be a DJ. But, yeah. you know, I, I respect Hondo for, for putting in the, that time and yeah. making good music, you know? Uh, you know, you get I, respect from five, five aging DJs in a group chat, so congrats. Wait, say that, <laughs> say, say that again, Ross, what'd you say? I said you get the respect of, like, five aging DJs in a group chat. That's right. So. <laughs> That and an unemployment an unemployment check will get you uh what six hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And we got two we got two more weeks. <laughs> oh, oh one more, I thought it was one more week. I have done it. Yeah, shit, oh, damn it! One more week in New York. Vegas wow. also. No, everywhere. Everywhere. I don't know what Cal- no, I don't know what federal. Cali's doing. They're cutting it off for, at the federal level. But, yeah. Okay. Oh shit! That's crazy. We gotta get a, we gotta get a petition going. But yeah, yeah that's, that's the petition <laughs> we need. That's the petition we need. <laughs> yeah, where those petition Twitter guys when you need that. <laughs> right. I can do that shit. Um, what do you call it? Ten Tano, I kinda wanna uh do you have any advice for kind of like if you look back on yourself three to four years ago, you know, what 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 do you think is the best advice for DJs in that in that arena? Or maybe those DJs that like kind of, you know, are just kind of discouraged with production and just believing that they can produce at this point, you know? I'd say that like for me, where I feel like I I saw some results um don't be afraid to work with other people like i realize like i'm not like calvin harris like i have my strengths and i have my weaknesses and like your love i made a hundred percent of the song like it was just mixed and mastered by someone else but like for the stuff i'm putting out now it's like 50 percent me maybe 70 percent and another producer like my homie in the ukraine and it's like just like sometimes he'll just change a snare and I'll be like, damn, that was the song. 
that was the problem. And sometimes he'll do more. He'll like add his synth line. He'll change the bass line. And I'm totally fine with that because like I'm trying to compete on like the highest level. And at the highest level, it really isn't just one person. It's mm -hmm. like, and that's where I'm trying to be. So like, <laughs> I'd say go get help. Stop thinking you're a genius because right. unless you went to the like Berkeley School of Music, you're probably not. You know what I mean? Like, just get help, honestly. Like, and yeah, that that would be my 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 advice. It's funny because even when we we look back on all of this music that was produced back in the day, there were like fifteen, there were ten to fifteen people. A lot of these pop songs have like you know six to eight writers and all of these different producers and it really takes a village to put put together good music and i and uh i always tell ross this too i'm like yo like i feel like all these producers just want to work by themselves you know and then i feel like they really everyone should be collabing a lot more and uh i would like to see a lot more producers especially dj producers just work with each other a little bit more you know what i mean and just kind of just try different shit out um but i don't know what, what do you think that is ross do you what do you you know wh why do you think is it is it a ego thing? Is it a well? I mean, a lot of DJs shouldn't produce. You know, like there's a lot of sh trash out there. So there's also like <laughs> a lot of people shouldn't make music. You know, like if you're not a musical person, it's not a natural gift. For me, it's not necessarily a natural gift. I just really know what I like. You know, and I know what I grew up on. And I, for me, I grew up digging for records, and kind of that's the whole reason I got into DJing was digging for records and finding loops and samples, and so been 20 something years now, like just compiling those records. And then finally over the last five years going through and taking little chops. And I, and I think it's all about knowing what you're good at. Just like what Honda was saying, you know what your strengths are. I'm not good at, at working on a record for six hours and, and trying out different synth lines and going through splice for hours, trying to find the right sounds. I'm not good at it. I don't have the attention span, but when I work with pace, he's great at that stuff. And mm -hmm. he's more musical than me, you know, like I'm more beat driven loop and chop driven and he's much more musical person and he's he's talented with that so makes for a good combination um you know he could probably make beats he can make beats without me but i think the best beats that that we've made have you know my input you know what i mean so yeah. it, even for him like he doesn't need me to make a great song but but for whatever reason us working together there's a good chemistry there yeah um, and you shouldn't fight that for sure. And I agree. Get people to master your shit. Get engineers to work on it. Get help from from people who you like. Um, I don't know. Maybe people think that they're. Maybe people are really good. It's also really easy to produce now. It's really easy to make like a decent song, just like with Serato. Mm -hmm. Like I can make a hip hop beat, a current hip hop beat. <laughs> Cincy you know? boys, yo, the Cincy boys. I like it. The Natty boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny, man. We go, we go back. We go like it's crazy to still be, you know, working on shit. <laughs> like, look at Diddy. Like, he probably can't turn on an NPC, but like, <laughs> that dude had his hand in those records mm -hmm. and their hits. If he didn't touch them, who knows? You know what I mean? Whatever he did, who cares? Like, he's a part of those records, and without it, him, they don't happen. That's your role. Maybe you're an executive producer. You know what I mean? Like everyone doesn't have to be like Herbie Hancock, you know, like everyone, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really good at listening to something and, uh, and figuring out everything that's wrong with it. <laughs> you, you oh, good he's good at being a hater is what he's good at. <laughs> I mean, you, 
you may call it being a hater, but I call it, I don't know, like a refiner. I'm really good at refining something and being like, yo, this needs to be ar- the arrangement. I'm a good, and I'm all a good that. tuner. Yeah. But I just don't. I, I used to produce, but I don't know. I just don't have it. I don't have the patience anymore to do it. But I don't know. We'll see. You guys inspire me, all of you guys. And uh, especially UC Flow, like creating apps and doing all of that stuff. That's I, I love all what you guys are doing. And I think it's in, in, inspiring, especially now for a lot of for a lot of other DJs who are maybe a little lost to maybe have them dig a little deeper inside themselves. Maybe look at some of the hobbies and some of the, the things in their life that they're not focusing on that they could actually create and uh, make a business out of, you know? I don't know. But I think uh, we have anything else we want to touch on? Pause? Nothing? I think we're good. I think we're good. Wait. <laughs> I could run a I could run a special promo code for Road Podcast listeners. Oh yeah, for the Stemverter. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we'll do it for Road. Just R O A D, all caps. And what do they get? Like what's twenty five percent off? I'll, I'm pulling the update one at the end of the month, and I just realized this episode is probably not going to air before that. So okay, yeah. So let's do like an August special or something. I yeah. Okay. So we'll do an August Stemverter special. Type in R O A D Road. You get twenty five percent off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Brings it down to fifty nine bucks. Cool. Nice. Dope, man. And then um, good deal. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tondo's gonna get a free one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah get Tondo a free okay. one. Okay, cool. <laughs> we need him to keep making good music and shit. I got you on the DM here. <laughs> cool, man. And then and Ross one, he's a he's a up and coming YouTuber now. Yeah. Uh, I want to get yo. I cannot wait the day you do the Jordan one. I am waiting for that one because you did one. You did like a, a cool little snippet on it on Instagram, but I cannot wait for you to edit down a good one. The rap, you know, I gotta, I gotta shout you out, Ross, because years ago I saw that video you put out um, where I think Sujit was like, "You're not, you're not uh, acting up, right? Like you're boring to watch, DJ." Right. And that so was like true. probably one of the first tongue-in-cheek promos I'd ever seen in DJing. And I, I really thought it was good. It was the keep it moving. Thanks. It was the keep it moving promo was that videos, like right? Two thousand nine. Yeah. Two thousand eleven, I believe that was the I one. Like Two thousand twelve. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Eleven. Yeah. yeah. Crooked, crooked had a big role. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that, and I was, I'm, you know, that was a long time ago now, and I was, it really inspired me. I was like, oh, you can get kind of silly with your promo here. Open, nice. open my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you Appreciate did great, that. bro. Now yeah, he's yeah. now he's continuing. He's now I'm now I'm blogging from my my uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh YouTube.com Yo, YouTube. slash uh DJ Ross One. Ross one. It's funny that the, the Jordan doc though, it goes the Jordan stuff, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like I don't feel like my collection is legit enough of Jordan. Are you kidding to me? Make a thing. It's not like because I, I like I'm never gonna get past it. You can, it's not a it's not even a conversation. Like I'll do it, but it has to be like, you know. You know, I, I, there's a different school of thought on that. Ross, I know motherfuckers are looking for some of those pieces for years. <laughs> like, you're not going to tell me this shit is not great. <laughs> Look at Ross. <laughs> no, no, he's like, you have the full flight suit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> I just, I just, or scarred, man. Crooked will tell you, like, we're just scarred fucking dudes. By, by hype beasts have ruined us. Like, we're just, we're, we have a lot, of, we got issues. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like our generation, like me, Ross, I don't know, maybe some of some of y'all other motherfuckers like never we come from the generation of like like horrible self promotion, 
We come from like the 90s, keep it real. Like We, did, we, we keep it too real. I, like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to like, I don't know how to explain it. We don't want to look corny. We don't want to play. Well. We don't want to explode. I came it. from the era where we didn't want to look corny and play ourselves. Yeah. Like, you don't want, stupid. you don't want like Riz to look at you and like roll his eyes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like that to happen is, is worse than death. It's just like the ultimate. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's I, embarrassing. I, I, and it's wrong for us. Like it's stupid of us, but we're, we're going to probably die with that trait. You know? Yeah. Well, I, unlike you, I feel like I've disappointed a lot of my DJ heroes out there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so have I. I know, so I know, have I. I know like Goldfinger, Goldfinger DMs Go me. Your- <laughs> Goldfinger DMs me all the time with a shaking head and like, yo, he's like, yo, you, you're embarrassing the DJ community. I'm like, I'm sorry, I man. Know. I'm sorry. <laughs> shout to Goldfinger, though. Shout to Goldfinger. And shout to Riz, too, man. But yeah, I feel like we come from that era of like, you know, like EPMD crossover. It was just like, you just never wanted to cross over like you never wanted you wanted to stay like just real what to keep keep it real yeah we come from the generation where we shit on stretch armstrong and bobito for going on hot 97 remember <laughs> like yeah. that's so insane we were like yo man we liked them when they were real and broke they and sold like, out yeah and they sold out like they finally got a check they finally got paid and like yeah. we're like man it's not the same no more it was like a retarded era that we grew up in but yeah. i mean yeah we're still we're that was like embedded in our heads even now but Mm-hmm. It's trauma. Still, yeah, we're still learning. <laughs> well, I cannot wait for that Jordan uh video. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> You're still gonna do it for the culture. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll uh, just do one for you. I'll make it an interactive. People can can add theirs to it to make it a more complete yeah. look. Oh <laughs> Ross. What'd you say, Tondo? Clubs and pools open in Las Vegas. Mm, there's some pools the, like pools the day clubs are open. Yeah, some oh, wow. of them, but it's like thirty percent capacity yeah and people have to wear masks when they're not at their you know at the every it's like only cabanas and tables only so but they don't even know how long that's gonna last because uh there's been talks that casinos are gonna have some of them are gonna have to shut down again so it's they they really don't know there's all these rules and there's just there's too much going on um that's why it just seems like this this whole club thing, whether it's inside or out, is just not the thing to happen in 2020. You know what I mean? Um, it's be the last, the last yeah. phase. But Ross, Tondo, 1988, C-Flow. Guys, thank you so much for coming on road, man. We really appreciate it, y'all. Thank you, man. Thank you. Pleasure. fun, as always. And Jamie, if you want to take us out. If you want to watch this video alongside all our brand new videos we drop on Friday, every Friday, go to youtube.com slash road podcast. Go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell to be the first one to get the video. And also, an additional, uh, youtube.com slash DJ Ross one to check out the, the dope ass videos that he's going to be putting out soon. Yeah, so go ahead, it. subscribe to him and hit the notification for him as well. Yeah, Ross one, you're a YouTuber nice. now. Thank you. You're a fucking YouTuber, YouTuber now. YouTuber. Welcome to the, welcome to the culture. <laughs> and, uh, YouTuber. He sold out. sold out, man. I don't think anybody actually actually watches the YouTubes, but if I can be an IGTV or I'm good. Uh, and then, uh, what do you call it? Also, every Sunday, uh, we're going to be on Twitch at 8 p.m. PST, 11 p.m. EST, Eastern Time. Check us out on twitch.tv slash roadpodcast. And big shout to DJ City, man. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.